0: of the Nighttime Show! Tonight, live at Genghis Cohen in the heart of Hollywood, it's me, Mike Black, the voice of the Nighttime Show, here with our head writer, Spooky Matt Walker, our very special guest who created Paranormal Activity, produced Insidious, and is currently launching a very spooky new app called Spot. It's Oren Pele, and the host of the Nighttime Show, Unlocked from a grave thousands of miles below the sea, it's the scariest, the spookiest, the creepiest, Stephen Kramer Glickman! That's right,
1: folks. I love candy. You bet. Uh, well, wow. it is an honor and a pleasure to have you here, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, what a uh, What an insane... What an insane uh, career you have, at, and I only know what I know. I only here's the thing is, Lauren, I only know what I know. Okay, <laughs> the first the first thing I know about is Paranormal Activity, right? Is there where where do we go before that? How do we start? How does the story start? Start us at your. Uh, uh, I want to know where you were born. Where did you grow up?
2: I grew up in Israel. Really? Yep.
1: Tov tada. Hey. the medaber katzat ivrit. Oh, not bad, not bad. Not bad. I learned a, a Hebrew from an Israeli who, sp- who taught me how to speak, and then every time I say I don't speak a lot of Hebrew, people go, mm, it's bullshit. You sound like you speak Hebrew perfectly.
2: Your accent wasn't too bad. So. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It yeah,
1: I try. I try. Um, that's all, That's amazing. I didn't know you were born in Israel. That's incredible. Uh,
2: how do you think I have this accent? Just <laughs> for <I had> fun? <laughs> yes. I thought it was like a, so
1: it's
0: th- a generic thing. Just a Eastern g- European accent uh, or yes. some sort, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely. Can't tell. Unlike me, I went to the DeVry Hebrew School. <laughs> oh, really? Where, yeah. Is that where you went? Yeah, not bad. Not None. bad. No, you're very good at it. Uh, very nice deli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got a great deli <laughs> really at
3: DeVry. Really good deli. <laughs> really. really. I, I learned like four words at Klingon, and that's close enough.
0: That's,
1: <laughs> yeah. all I uh, that's, that's almost all right. the same. <laughs> uh, so you were, you, were, uh, you were born in Israel, and uh, is that where you grew up?
2: Yeah, I grew up in Israel until I was uh, 19. Uh, I guess when it comes to... Um, my career the the few defining moments one was when i was 11 and my parents in their wisdom let me watch the exorcist <laughs> mm-hmm. I, in their defense i did beg and whine and you know it can't be that bad so they let me watch it <laughs> it traumatized me for the rest of my childhood i didn't even, even finish watching the movie i couldn't sleep for weeks and <laughs> it i was can't so tra- be that bad yeah <laughs> <it, it, laughs> when you were 11 yeah and so it, you didn't see the end uh, well, you, s- you didn't
3: see the, the happy ending where what he sings and holds hands. No? I
2: didn't stick around for that. But, but and I'm not kidding. I was so traumatized that anything that had to do with ghosts, demons, possession, I couldn't handle at all. <laughs> wow. When when wow. ghost When Ghostbusters came out, I couldn't watch <laughs> oh, it. No. Really? I was so oh, I'm like I'm done. I can't handle any of that. So it wasn't until I was in my twenties that uh, I said, "Okay, now let's revisit all the stuff that I missed." So uh, parents,
0: if you don't want your kids to watch terrible movies, show them the worst one you can find <laughs> yeah and they'll never watch any
1: yeah yeah you don't want to watch scary movies when you're
0: yeah that, that oof.
1: yeah I still uh, I, I, I went and saw it recently and uh, after well recently I guess a month ago or yeah. so and uh, I was like wow what a great uh, fun scary movie and then I went to sleep that night and it was in my dreams and tried to kill me in my dreams and then uh, the next night like I couldn't sleep and stayed up all night and trying to fall asleep and I just kept kept like thinking having, about that clown keeping <laughs> a, the, the clown coming to get me and I'd hear like a creak in the other room and it would scare the crap out of me. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a frayed cat when it comes to, to movies like that. but I love watching those movies but then afterwards, uh, yeah. It's,
0: that they, movie they, struck a particular chord with me where i remember going to my garage as a kid yeah and getting this fear because it was dark in the garage and it was like to go change the light bulb in the garage was was my job at seven and uh i go in there and i turn around and decide nope this is too much for me i'm leaving and as i turn around to leave and i'm heading towards the door the lighted door Mm i I get a visual in my head of a fucking clown with red hair and where, but he, the difference was he was wearing like a mime suit, like a black, like, mm-hmm. like jazzercise suit. Or something, sure. Something sure. Like that. And I was like, Nope. Fuck that. That clown's in there and I don't want any part of him. So I'm leaving. And how old, I, how old were you? I demanded my brothers do it instead. 17. I, I was seven. No, I, oh. not, I was not seventeen. I was, this was like Am week. I
3: the only one on this podcast that wasn't a pussy as a kid? <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, I don't I don't know, you're, man. Well, you, you have to be
1: now. You have, a, <laughs> now yeah.
0: you have to have a creative imagination for things like this to happen <laughs> to
1: you. <laughs> oh. Okay, so uh, so you you as a uh, as a kid yeah. So that was the first defining moment. Was not uh, was exorcist? Exorcist, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what comes next? What well, comes next on,
2: on a totally different track, uh, when when I was uh, 13, I discovered the uh, uh, computers. So, I got my first personal computer. I taught myself how to program. And when I was 16, I decided I had enough schooling for a lifetime. I quit high school and I started a software company. And we created a graphics program for the Commodore Amiga. Mm-hmm. I don't know oh, if any wow. of you remember yeah. it. I, I had an Amiga. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know if you remember Photon Paint. It used yes. to be. <laughs> so that's It had like a spray paint. It had all type program- sorts of like yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, that's, that's what I wrote when I was 16. Wow. Yeah. And oh my, so,
3: on. listen up, kids. If you're 16, just drop out of school now. No.
2: Watch, yeah. the, watch The Exorcist and yeah. drop out of school. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it it works go. for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that program was the closest I had to street graffiti when I was a kid because <laughs> I lived in the suburbs. So I would just print out all my graffiti. <laughs> Good, we, we kept you off the streets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you just be like, I'm a rebel. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm going to use this mouse. Who, who taped this graffiti up here? <laughs> We're taking it down. Someone
1: sprayed anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> on the Mona Lisa and it's very pixelated but really yeah. <laughs> so so uh so that's that's insane man like what a what a crazy what a crazy thing to to have done at such a young age
2: yeah and and it worked out we got it distributed and ended up making you know a lot of money for you know a 17 year old kid in Israel and I knew back then that I wanted to move to America, so that gave me the, the funds, the, the connections, and, and when I was 19, I was ready to make the move. So I came here, and for a long time, I worked as a computer programmer, and mostly as a video game programmer. Mm-hmm. And I did it for a long, long time. What, what are some what, of the games you worked yeah, on? Uh, yeah, one of them was actually Mortal Kombat 3. We talked about oh, it yeah. for, for, okay. the, for the PC. I did the what? PC conversion. Wow. Uh, I worked on a wrestling game for the Sega. Which one? Uh, w WWF Raw okay, okay. we're talking, we're talking yeah. like mid 90s yeah Yeah, totally uh, that's when we were playing
3: them <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah like
2: yeah. Uh, I'm sure everyone here was played that on both the those games.
3: Genesis or the Saturn
2: uh, I think it was the Genesis okay and what else I worked on Turok oh, oh, yeah. Dinosaur, Dinosaur Hunter oh my god I remember that yeah. game that's a classic Turok. and Space Jam Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah. wow. A- a- Turok
0: had my favorite weapon in a video game of all time—the cerebral boar mm-hmm. which was a ball you would throw at your enemy. And it would bore a hole into his head and drill out his brain, and his brain would come spitting yeah. out. Are you serious? It's a fantastic game. Yeah, and awesome. Turok
3: to this day is remembered. They call there was a style of navigation on uh, controllers before they had two thumbsticks yeah. that they called Turok style controls because you use the the right four buttons for uh, up, down, left, and right, and you, you would look around with your left thumb. Yep, uh, and that was called Turok style controls back in the day.
2: Wow. And then for my last uh, nine miserable years of my career, oh. I worked on a baseball game. Oh, oh. man. <laughs> yeah. And I don't like baseball, and I didn't like the people I was working with, which was one of the catalysts for me wanting to do something different in life. And, you uh, were
0: living my fear of getting into video games. I was like, what if they make me work on a football game or something, yeah. and I'm just screaming. I had a friend that was a you game know.
3: tester on Barbie's Dreamhouse <laughs> oh, for no, a summer. I no. had to play Barbie's Dreamhouse eight hours a day. That you know, was when, his? I, uh,
1: when I was a kid, there was uh, my, one of my my friend Jared Sandrew, who mm-hmm. lives here in Los Angeles. He's a visual effects artist. He's worked on a ton of big movies. Like a, he's a he's uh, I think he's uh, been nominated for an, for an Oscar. or Some of his stuff has been nominated. Uh, his dad. Was a uh, like a video game designer and had uh, used used to get all the new video game systems to their house and we couldn't afford any of that stuff but they would get it over and they'd have parties and we'd come over and like play 3D O and like uh-huh. stuff yeah. like that in their living room and he had all the different like all anytime like a new piece it would come out like some sort of like weird uh, like I remember playing Echo the Dolphin and being like one of the first Roger people the to Dolphin. play Echo oh, the Dolphin yeah. and like even as a kid being like. Like I really like the way that this <laughs> this like feels good. <laughs> it just feels good to play this game. I don't know what the point of this game is, so, but it feels good.
3: When you when you're working on programs like that back in that day, I mean, are you doing stuff in assembler or what? How do you program those?
2: Assembly was like in the very early days. It's mm-hmm. more like for fun, just for the challenge of it. But uh, when I started with the photon paint, I, I started programming in C, mm-hmm. and that was pretty much the language I used. And then, you know, C. Yeah,
3: so for the games, that, that was all done in C and C at yeah. that time? Okay. Wow, that's
2: amazing. That was
0: my grade point average.
2: <laughs>
1: C. <laughs> so, how do you make the leap into movie making? Like, how does this jump happen?
2: So, okay, so since my childhood, you know, putting aside the traumatic exorcist experience, (laughs) I've always loved movies. I mean, I would watch as many as I could, and later on when I came to the States, when DVDs came out, I would like devour DVDs, watch them with the commentaries and all the extra features, but it never seemed anything that would be within reach. I I could never even fantasize about being a filmmaker because you need to go to film school, you need to have the Mm -hmm. connections, you need to convince the studio to give you millions of dollars to make a movie. At that point, I had, you know, a, a career career going in video game uh, programming. I'm like, okay, that's, that's what I'm destined to do. But then the other defining moment was when I watched The Blair Witch Project mm-hmm. in 99. Yeah. And here's these kids from Florida. Mm-hmm. They did go to film school, but they had no connections. They didn't have any real money. They bought a video camera and they made a movie and I'm here watching it and it ended up making a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, I'm like, it didn't even occur to me that you can make movies. That, so what, you can just you know, buy a video camera and make a movie, and if it turns out, okay, someone may distribute it, I'm like, okay, mental note.
3: Yeah, yeah. like, that was, oh. to me, that was the second one, I remember, sort of, of that thing where somebody just made a movie for Super cheap. because the first one I remember was Clerks, which they made for, like, 20 grand or yeah, something. Yeah, he made that on
1: his cr- On, his on credit a credit card. So, yeah, he just ran And made cards
3: Clerks, and then Blair Witch was made for, like, peanuts. I don't know, eight grand or something like that, he right? The 60K, production line. k uh, which is still nothing. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah after they more stuff to it changed the soundtrack and all that once it was at a festival but i mean like the original production budget on that was like nothing at all right yeah. and
2: and the other thing is not only the fact that they did it kind of independently outside the system on a low mm-hmm. budget but it also uh they found footage aspect of it. I loved yeah. it. I thought it was so effective, yeah. so smart, so well done again, like i didn't know you can make movies like that, and it worked so at least for me so well and then, as far as the horror aspect, the fact that it was so minimalistic, you never saw mm-hmm. the witch and and you know it all played yeah. on your imagination. I'm like, this is awesome, this is genius. I can't wait to see all these other amazing movies done in that style that will obviously follow because they just showed us how to do it, yeah, and then years go by, and nothing like nothing. that comes out. Yeah. And then several things happened. Uh, My job started really, really sucking. I mean, I started like really hating it. I'm like, I got to find something else to do. Mm -hmm. And then me and my girlfriend at at the time moved to a new house in San Diego, suburbia, Mm -hmm. quiet, peaceful. And until then, I lived in apartments. So you always hear things in apartments. You hear your neighbors slamming doors, walking in the hallways. But in a house that's detached, you don't hear anything like that except we did, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm, I'm a skeptic, so I wouldn't necessarily jump to the conclusion that we have ghosts or demons, but my girlfriend's like, I heard something walking away. there's something <laughs> in the house, and would like totally freak out, and I started thinking like, well, if you're so worried, you know, we can get a, a video camera, set it up, let it record at night, mm-hmm. and see what happens, is there something in the house or whatever, and then I thought, how creepy would it be if you actually watch the footage of yourself sleeping and something was happening. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. anything big, yeah. something moving, something yeah. subtle that you're totally unaware of when you're at your most vulnerable sleep. Yeah. And I yeah. thought that would be so scary and creepy. And the more I thought about that, I'm like, hmm, maybe there's a movie there, and maybe I can do it to Blair Witch style, just kind of buy a video camera, do it on my own, and see what happens. And if it turns out well, I can ditch my stupid day job. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So, did, so when did you did you start uh, write? Did you write a script for it, or did you did you kind of it was a lot of improv? Like, how did you put this together?
2: The the first thing I had to do is to figure out can actually do it. So I bought a video camera, I got a computer, I got editing software, and I just did some test shots. Like, let's try to do some special. Like, if you know the the scene where Katie is dragged out of bed, mm-hmm. like I, I had a huge teddy bear that uh, my girlfriend had for an niece. So let's do a test. And I put ropes and dragged it out of bed and try to see if I can mask it out so it looks authentic enough. I'm like, okay, that works. And I tried to do all these other things and to try to get the lighting right. And once I had the technical aspect uh, done that I was happy with it i figured i can pull it off then it was okay how do you make a movie how do you find actors all that kind of stuff i didn't know what the script was or how to write one mm-hmm. so i ended up having like my own weird mishmash of a document that had all these color-coded things like you know if it was blue it was happening at night and it if, if, if there was a yellow thing there it means it's a sound effect so it was like this kind of bullet-pointed list of what happens in each scene. No one saw it and never showed it to any of the actors. And um, yeah, that's as as close as I came to a script.
3: So you gave them when when you, well, how did you get the actors, first of all, let's ask that, like how did you actually find them?
2: Uh, So again, I had to do research. How do you do a casting session? So I went to LA, I was living in San Diego there then, and I found some uh, theory space that I could rent and i made a deal with the theater owners and Mm -hmm. then i posted ads in craigslist la casting uh, backstage all these places and a lot of people tons of people like hundreds of people uh, sure even though I, there was no credits, I didn't put my mm-hmm. name, which would not have helped. I said, there's not going to be a script. You're not going to get a lot of money. Uh, you're not going to know what's going on. And
3: Just got to line out the door in L.A. for that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And uh, then during the casting se- session, which was uh, very unusual because there were no sides, no script, and the actors would come by and sit down, and I would say, hi, thanks for coming. So uh, tell me, what do you think your house is haunted? And if they hesitated more than a second their gun. Mm-hmm. But in the cases of Katie and Mika, there was no, they're like, Katie's like, oh man, let me tell you, I hear these things happening. It's like you're having a conversation with someone that really believes what they're saying. And she was so real. And, and so was uh, Mika. So I loved them from the beginning. And then I brought them, brought them back for a callback. And like 30 seconds after they they met, I'm like, "Okay, so tell me how did you guys uh, meet, how long have you guys been together?" And they started telling me like the story of how they met 3 years ago and all these questions about the relationship and do you have problems in real? And if you didn't know and you saw that interview, y- you would think this is a real couple that's been together for years. Mm-hmm. They were wow. so good. Actually, posted it on my YouTube channel, some of those those clips. It's amazing wow. to oh, see how cool. good they were. And and that's What's
0: your uh, YouTube channel called?
2: Uh, just Oren Pelly. Oh, okay. And check the, it out. And uh, one one of the, the the moments, like when I saw that, after I did the public session and I went home and looked at the, the footage of it, I'm like, the, if the, if the movie looks this good as far as their acting and what they're bringing to the screen, it can work. And then I kind of internally greenlit it and made I'm like, okay, I, now that I have found Katie and Mika, I can I can do this.
3: So did yeah, you self-fund no. the entire thing or did you have yeah. people investing? Or? No,
2: it was only about, it was originally going to be 10K, Like a lot of projects, it went over budget, (laughs) so it went up to 15K.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow!
1: Now um, that's not
0: even that over budget. No, that's, that's, insanity. that's pretty yeah. great. Fifty yeah. percent. Well, uh, still, but like, yeah, when, the, the, when, the really when you're starting at a dollar, <laughs> a dollar yeah. fifty doesn't sound that
2: terrible. Yeah. The, the, big, the biggest investment, which I don't consider a part of the budget, is we did a lot of renovations to the house. We put mm-hmm. the banisters on, on the mm-hmm. stairwell. We replaced the floor with, with hardwood floor. We did a lot of stuff to make the house look more cinematic and also to work because some of the gags needed to have hardwood floor have yeah. worked on. Now is this your tablet. house? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that also made things. So you easier. got
0: a uh, house renovation out of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I did pay for it, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, you know, here's a. Super Do you still have that house now? No, I sold it a couple of years ago.
3: Were you able to sell it at a premium because it was the. Paranormal Activity House?
2: Uh, no, we we actually, do was a bidding war on it because mm-hmm. it has a large backyard. If you seen the movie, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's like yeah, a third of, course, of an yeah, acre. People yeah. don't care about the
0: movie history. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, I, I don't think, backyard.
2: I don't think it was a factor, but I did have to uh, put, uh, there's an it, and it's not a disclo- disclaimer. There's another word for it. I forgot. But we had to like let people know, we shot the movie Paranormal Activity here. No, the house is not really haunted, <laughs> uh, but you may have looky-loos coming by, especially on Halloween. Yeah. They may annoy yeah. you. So, You know, just full full disclosure.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, super uh, weird but like uh, on topic thing. Uh, Many, 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 many years ago, I go to uh, I was looking for an apartment in Los Angeles. And I I, uh, was looking on Craigslist. I find this guy and I go and look at his place. And he's got a nice uh, drum set, and he's got a nice kind of thing. Him and me uh, uh, kind of hit it off. His name was Mika, and mm-hmm. uh, we we, uh, we talked for a little bit, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm trying to be an actor, and you know, if you lived here, like maybe we could, you know, do like little movies together. Maybe we could make something together." And I was like, "Oh, it sounds cool. Seems like a very very cool guy." And he liked a lot of my stuff. I liked his stuff, and then he ran my my credit report at the time, and and was like, "Yeah, you can't."
3: live Your credit here. report is haunted.
1: Yeah, my credit report was <laughs> haunted. haunted. He was yeah. like, "Yeah, there's no way you can live here." Sorry, buddy. And I was like, "All right." And like, I moved in with uh with Doug, the uh, the yeah. guy that hated me. Yeah, right?
3: your is not just possessed; it's repossessed. Right? Oh, hysterical.
1: <laughs> well, point is, uh, years later, I go and see Paranormal Activity in the movie theater, not knowing that Mika is Mika from Paranormal Activity, and he hadn't made that the made the movie yet. And I'm sitting there watching him on screen, and I'm like, "Wait." Wait a second. I look in my phone and I see his name in my phone from like back in the day. It just said Mika roommate. And I texted him and I was like, am I watching you in a movie right now? And he was like, he was like, yep, I'm in this movie. And like now we're friends and we still, we still talk now and then, which is so weird. But uh, at the time, and the thing, I know that we're jumping way past uh, production on this movie, but one of the, like, go with, help me on this. At the end of the movie, at the end of the first Paranormal Activity movie, did you guys show credits at the end of the film, or was there no credits?
2: There might have been versions like the for for the, the f- for the festivals uh, releases that did have you know some credits, uh, but yeah, the theatrical release when Paramount finally got the movie out, you know. Uh, then yeah, we said let's let's try to be really cool. No credits. And have no credits at all.
1: Yeah okay. So I saw the movie yeah. in a theater in San Diego, and when the when the movie ended and there were no credits and it just stopped and the lights came back on, I applauded in the <laughs> movie theater and laughed and applauded. Like this is the smart and everyone in the theater was terrified and <laughs> sca- and really freaked out, and I was like. These people are geniuses for doing this. Like no, no, like direct no, because you're waiting for the for the credits so that you can have a minute to be like, okay, well, that's who it's worked on real. it. It's not real, and yeah. that,
0: that's who was the dolly grip. And so I I'm gonna be okay now. Honestly, that disappointed me with Blair Witch when yeah. they show the credits at the end. And I remember I wasn't alone. The whole theater went ah yeah, like we would just been suckered, you know, yeah. which we had. But uh, and, and it was great, but at the same time, I was like, eh, that was kind of a bitch move to yeah. <laughs> put credits on that. It
2: was so you know? brilliant. By the way, m- more than that, we actually, if I remember correctly, had either 60 or 90 minutes of movie that was black, and we had like the little low, low level rumble We're going. To do- <laughs> so for like so and the theater owners were instructed to keep the lights off for like 60 seconds or however long it was because that was actually part of the movie and so people sitting there waiting what the hell is going to happen next and then just over and the lights come I on
1: it's so genius man did you get any flack from that as far as like uh, legally like that you have to show credits or not or no not really? we,
2: we had to go back to to the actors that were uh, involved and anyone that would have potentially thought that they can get it credit and modified their the contracts but everyone was on board everyone was like oh that's that's awesome that's, that's cool genius and and move. Katie and Mika do get sort of a credit because at the very beginning they say you know the However, we phrase it. The San Diego police would like to thank the families of Katie and Nika, yeah. so yeah. they sort of get a credit that way. Yeah. But um, yeah, we figured anyone who really wants to find out what you know what the movie is about and who was involved in the make of it, they can you know search and find out easily on the internet. But during the the movie watching experience, the more we can do to keep you yeah. to, you know in that atmosphere and not uh, you know show the the. How the magician did its tricks. Yeah, the better we can. Uh, it's
1: genius too that I mean. I mean, what a crazy uh, turnaround for your life for you to be someone who uh, was uh, saw you know a, a, a movie that was a horror film like The Exorcist that set a standard in horror, and then you come back you know uh you know, all these years later and you reestablish what that is for people and you're putting people in a position where now they can't sleep at night like that's amazing what a fucking incredible thing that's amazing this episode's done and <laughs> no, i'm just kidding but that's insane man that must feel wonderful
2: it worked out pretty well. Can't complain. <laughs> yeah, that's really
1: incredible, man. Uh, hey, uh, man, this is such a fun podcast. You know who I'm missing, though? Mm-hmm. Uh, I miss uh, Mike Glazer. I wish Mike Glazer was around. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at that. There he is. He's coming in the door right now. Mike Glazer. Hey, hey,
0: hey. Can I
1: come up? Hey, hey, holy whoa. Cow. Mike, what Mike, what's going on? Oh. How are you doing? I was in the desert, and I saw an oasis or something. It was a huge bottle wow. of Fireball, and so I just, like, dragged it back here. Whoa. whoa look how big that That's bottle enormous. of Fireball is. Yeah, I feel like you could swim in it if you don't want to drink it. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's absolutely enormous, man. I mean, I can't believe you find, oh. found that out in the middle of the desert yeah well hey let's all have some of that fireball whiskey thank goodness man you know fireball whiskey it makes everything better even uh even almost dying in the desert yeah but it was worth it i mean it's gonna taste great yeah yeah cinnamon whiskey it makes you feel good even when you're almost about to die in the (laughs) desert yeah all right let's get back to the show um now uh, there's some other rumors that i've heard about the film which is that uh at some point, the movie was delivered to a very famous director uh, for him to watch it. And then he... he uh, was it Steven Spielberg or was someone... Is yeah. that true? Will you tell us that story?
2: So, to make a very long story short, sure. uh, DreamWorks were interested in the film. But so, there,
1: you sent the film off after, after you finished it.
2: It got into um, the hands of a young executive there who became obsessed with the movie. She kept bugging her boss who the, was the president of production at the time to watch the movie. He watched it. He loved it. But they didn't know what to do with it because DreamWorks is not really in the business of uh, acquisitions. They don't mm-hmm. buy films. Yeah. So they, they weren't sure what to do with it. So they suggested that we do a remake, and they would let me direct the remake and do like a big-budget version of it. And I said, no, I like this is the version that needs to be. There's no point in doing it again. <laughs> so I rejected the deal in thinking that you know we're, we'll find someone to distribute the movie, and we couldn't find anyone. Yeah. So after a long time, that was the only option on the table, and uh, we said, okay, we'll we'll do it if we can do the remake uh, and keep the original version of the movie on the DVD as an extra, so at least mm-hmm. that way people can see it, yeah. and if it's okay with Katie and Mika, and I told Katie and Mika I'll do everything I can to recast you guys in the remake, yeah. but also do everything I can to sabotage the remake so that they'll release the, the original, original yeah. <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll be,
3: I'll be a very bad director at this <laughs> time.
2: <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> even, before, even before the, the directing, and, and so what we ended up doing, we ended up having a test screening And everyone at DreamWorks, except for Spielberg, but everyone there in in management and and all the executives and president had to be at the screening. And when they saw that it played very well in front of an audience, that's the last time they they talked about uh, doing a remake and said, okay, let's just release it. Mm -hmm. And before, which is very unusual, because like I said, they don't ever buy movies. So they said, well, if we're going to actually release it under the DreamWorks label, we need to get the approval of one more guy Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. So a couple of days later, I get a call on my cell phone from the president of, uh, of productions at DreamWorks, which was pretty unusual. I mean, at that point, I'm just like a nobody in San Diego, and I would only talk to my agent or my lawyer. So he calls me and he's like, hey, Oren, you know, um, we love your movie, and we want to release it, and we just need to get the, the okay from Steven Spielberg. So uh, he watched your movie last night. That's the only thing that I ever heard. That's like already the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg watched my, my little movie. But then it continues, and he stopped watching it halfway through. And then he takes like a deliberate pause <laughs> and says, because he got too scared because he was at home alone. <laughs> oh and, God. and he finished watching it this morning, and he loved it, and he wants to release it. Wow! Awesome. Yeah. Oh my
0: God, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, like I was <laughs> the, one of my, the most surreal <laughs> moments of my
1: life. Like I've heard rumors that like he was that he made someone come take it away from him, like <laughs> in a bag. That he was like, I can't, I can't even touch this movie anymore. It's too scary to, to hold on to. So, like,
2: so the story that that I originally heard, and then I heard it from him directly when when yeah. we met, is that he watched it in his bedroom. I guess he has a nice home theater in his bedroom, I would imagine. (laughs) And so he finished watching it that morning, and somehow... The bedroom door got locked from the inside, and supposedly that's <laughs> something, that's something that can never happen because <laughs> there's no way to lock it from the inside yeah. unless you're inside. And there was no one yeah. else in the house, and he had to get a locksmith, and it's like a big, <laughs> fancy wooden door, <laughs> and it was like <laughs> a, you know a real bitch to get it off. So finally, he got in, got into the house, and he took the the, the DVD, put it in like a trash bag, <laughs> and took it to the office and gave it to someone there. was like, I don't ever want to see this DVD again. <laughs> <laughs> like, keep, it away, keep it away from me, <laughs> yeah.
3: so now, let's uh let's talk about the filming process for a minute because you're down in San Diego filming a movie. Did you have to go get permits and all that kind of stuff, or you just did it because you're inside your house and you're like, Nobody's gonna know?
2: Yeah, no permits, no nothing. And the scary thing is that when we did one of, the, I think maybe when Katie's getting dragged out of bed. Uh, or, or something else where there was a lot of screaming going on, yeah. and we forgot to close the windows because usually we wouldn't run the air conditioning because <laughs> mm-hmm. it it would interfere with this, the sure. audio. So at some point we said let's just open a window to get some airflow, and we forgot to close it. So at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., Katie's screaming her head off like she's getting murdered, yeah. and no one heard, no one came to ask what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> oh my god, Good That's pur- you
3: could you could kill people in the neighborhood. Nobody else, theres like Yeah. A- yeah. seem like a nice guy. But uh, no,
2: everything was uh, un- under the radar. No one knew. By the way, I, I should mention, like, so when I did my, my paint program when I was 16, mm-hmm. I told everyone, hey, I'm quitting school to write this you know, piece of software. And everyone told me, you're crazy. You're throwing your life away. Who are you, a 16-year-old kid in Israel who's going to compete with the companies in America? I'm like, I don't know. I have an idea, and I know how to do it, so let's see what happens. Yeah. And everyone just kept telling me that I'm an idiot and I'm wasting my time. So when I decided I was going to do paranormal activity, I said, you know what? Why bother telling you? anyone they're gonna tell me what do you know what to do what do you know about filmmaking? Mm-hmm. You don't know how to make films, why are you wasting all this money? So I'm like I'm not gonna tell a single soul. So except for the few people that were actually involved in the making of the movie, no one knew. The only reason my parents knew is because they came to visit me a few weeks before and they saw me making the preparations. Otherwise I wouldn't have even mm-hmm. told them. But the neighbors didn't what a single person knew until much, much later.
3: Wow. Wow. So That's amazing. during that filming process, uh, are you sort of editing as it goes along? Like are you taking all the footage and putting it in your computer and doing it in Avid or Premiere or whatever you're using at the time or
2: uh, as much as much as I could and it was actually Sony Vegas mm-hmm. on a PC. Uh, sometimes I had to do it because there could be scenes where let's say the door is moving at night Mm -hmm. and then in the morning they're watching that footage so I would have to take the footage uh, you know bring it into my my editor edit the scene together and also do the visual effects on the fly pretty much remove because you would see me like crawling and you know moving the (laughs) door so I had to do all of that so the footage will be ready for them in the morning to watch to watch for the next scene yeah because we're actually filming them watching what happened so uh, yeah I didn't didn't get a lot of sleep that week and some other stuff I would just kind of throw together really Mm -hmm. roughly just to get a sense okay it looks like this works, but maybe we're missing here. Let's you know get a few more lines. Let's let's do the scene again. That kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So
3: how long did it take that whole process?
2: Uh, so from the very beginning, I would say the pre-production, the whole part of me studying how to do this, uh, casting and everything was about a year. Mm-hmm. The first shoot, I would call it the original shoot, was about a week, and then I spent about ten months in post. So editing, visual effects, sound mix. And it also included a lot of reshoots. So I would get a cut of the movie together. I would get together with Katie and Mika, and we would watch it, like, hmm, something here is not working. We're missing a scene here to explain something, or this could be done better. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. w- when do you guys have a weekend? Come down to San Diego, we'll shoot for you know, another day or two. And we'd kind of patch it you know, until we, we felt like we got it right.
3: How yeah. big was your crew?
2: It was uh, myself, my girlfriend at the time, because she didn't really have a choice. I said, <laughs> you know, we're, we're shooting a yeah. movie in our house, so you might as well help. Yeah. And my best friend Amir, who I've known since I was 13 in Israel, mm-hmm. he worked on that paint program with me, and we worked together at uh, at our video game company. And so one day I told him, you know, uh, I'm I'm going to film a movie in my house. I told him the story. Do you want to help? He's like, that sounds awesome. I don't know anything about filmmaking. I'm like, perfect. Neither do I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you have your day
3: job while this was all going on?
2: Yeah, yeah. I kept my day. So everything had to be like in my spare time. So. Wow. Jeez. Lord and, oh, Lord. and I should mention the one thing I could never figure out how to do was makeup. I <laughs> bought a makeup. Because t- I wanted to do everything on my own sort of thing. And I got a makeup kit. And I tried to apply it on myself. And after a few tries, I'm like, nah, that doesn't look good. I need professional. So I, I hired a makeup lady to okay. help for one day. Wow. No. What now? Um,
1: like actor-wise, uh, did you know? Did you have to like in like uh, when, when a movie like this comes out and it does it's like the it's like the one of the one of the biggest or is the biggest is it is it, it is the biggest uh, uh i don't my, I, my, no, I'm just, I just had a stroke I, I, I don't th- by I don't the think,
2: way i don't think it's the biggest like but it, but it's 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 it, one, it okay
1: it's one of the biggest uh box office uh, in in comparison to the amount of money spent on the movie just, just say yeah it, that,
0: it's that, the that, greatest movie of all it's time it's the greatest Steven. movie of all time <laughs> Uh, now yeah. that you've made the greatest movie of all time, go on. <laughs> what was the next part? Um, how does
1: something like that work? As far as like, y- the, like how you're uh, compensated for the work that you put into a movie like this? Because if DreamWorks is releasing it, like uh, how did how did you guys work something like that out?
2: We had a very nice deal, mostly because I don't think anyone foresaw that it was going to do that well. Right. So we ended up uh, getting a deal that if the movie did okay, we would have turned out okay. But because it did so well, I think if they would have known, we wouldn't have gotten such a good deal. Oh. Right. So, so uh, yeah, we, we did all right. That's, that's nice. amazing.
1: And I uh, one of the things that I loved about what you did with this film, and it's the same thing you did with Paranormal Activity 2, which also was a fucking great movie, like is – uh and. Uh, what I loved is is that you did the same kind of thing that Ed Newmyer did on uh, RoboCop and on uh, Starship Troopers is is having something really horrifying and scary happen, and then you'd cut back to daytime and you'd do funny stuff. You'd have them improvising, act being silly, saying funny things as a couple, uh, and then slowly, slowly, uh, your daytime stuff becomes just as scary as the nighttime stuff. So that way you're lulling everyone into a false sense of security. And so when they see it becomes when they they're watching the movie and it hits nighttime, they're they're like, "Oh shit, something else is going to happen." And if oh you like
3: pool vacuum cleaners, part 2 is the movie for you. <laughs> oh my
1: god, yeah.
3: Well, <laughs> that's what they, I I was like cuz we were working on a, a parody movie. Oh yeah, we
1: worked on a movie by the way called you're gonna love this. It's called uh, Paranormal it was
3: Thirty Days. Thirty of days of paranormal, paranormal activity. activity. Something in the night that.
1: Hang on, hang on, hang know. on. I'll look it up. You, you should know the, the names of your movie. It's it's
3: it's not <laughs> worth watching. It's not. A, it
1: is. This is not a good movie. But we did we did do some funny stuff. Thirty nights. Uh, thirty. Wait, thirty nights of paranormal. That's what it was called. It was a parody movie of Paranormal Activity, a movie that we both worked on. Uh, We were both uh, punch-up writers to like add comedy to it. But it was called Thirty Nights of Paranormal Activity with the Devil inside the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. Oh, what Uh a fucking nightmare! (laughs) One of those titles. But uh, but here's the thing about that movie. A bit that we wrote that's in that movie that is still to this day one of my favorite things. It's it's a, um, a moment you guys did in your film where you had a fan that was like an oscillating fan.
2: Oh, that was Paranormal Three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in Paranormal
1: yeah. Three, you attach a video camera to an oscillating fan and it moves between two different rooms, right? And so, um, and so, like as it goes back and forth, scary thi- scary thing is happening in one side of the camera, uh, in one room, and then it happens to then the the scary things in the other side of the room, right? So in our what we did was, it was we had like a lady sitting and like working at a computer, and then the fan would move to the other side of the room, and it would there would be nothing there, and it would go back to her, and then she's still writing, and then it goes back to the other room, and now there's uh, a camel. Just like a f-
3: Just like, like weird a, stuff Like an there. actual camel Just yeah. standing
1: in the living room And then it goes back to her And instead of her It's just a uh, It's like an Like an old man Panning for gold Like in the <laughs> living room And then it goes back And it's a uh, a, a Mexican um, Band What's the band called? Mariachi the, mariachi the, bar- a mariachi bar, band yeah. Like You know just <laughs> Singing And it's so It was so funny And I don't You know it was very It was just a great It was a great That's moment. the
3: That's the funny part of the movie. Right there. That's it. That's the only funny part of that movie. Skip to that part. Skip to that. Skip to that one moment. Stop watching after that. You've seen everything you need to see from that movie.
1: Anyways, um, so the movie comes out, it's an enormous hit. Um, do they? How quickly do they go? We gotta do a number. We gotta do another one.
2: Pretty like, much right away. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, did they? How? What was the difference in the second? What was
3: the opening weekend for that movie? Like, what was box office for, off on for Paranormal One? Yeah. Paranormal
2: One. Uh, it, it was almost nothing because we started very small. We started only with midnight screenings mm-hmm. and only in like I don't know seven or eight college towns and it slowly oh, wow. grew so then it we the next week it was like 20 cities mm-hmm. and then 40 and then 100 and finally when when we did were Did you think it was
3: going to end at some like you oh it's 20 cities now like it's that's great and that's just what it was it was nice but like did you no. see it was going to be in 4000 theaters in a the month or
2: um, we didn't get quite to 4 I think the most we had was 22 2300 mm-hmm. but i knew based on the traction and the buzz that it was getting that it was going to keep keep growing and at that point i felt pretty confident that uh, it's going to do well and um, so I, I didn't really have too much to worry about mm-hmm. um but uh, at the most it never really had a, i think it did like 20 21 million but that was like the fourth or fifth weekend mm-hmm. uh, and then i think we were number one maybe for one weekend yeah, it's
1: in like uh, like opening weekend was 77 uh, $77,000 was limited opening weekend. That's like 12 theaters. That's already a very, huge profit. Very small. Yeah. The budget according to a Box Office Mojo, budget was $15,000. The movie made $193 million. Which yeah. is a it's, it's ridiculous it's crazy. amount of money. Yeah. For um from So movie at like what that.
3: point were you able to go into the job where you were making a baseball video game and be like, "Hey, Suck uh, it, baseball! I made, a, I made this You're little out. movie you might have heard of called Paranormal Activity so you can suck my dick while I leave. Did they all
2: <laughs> like, freak out when you when you? told them? How did you tell them? Yeah. Well, so it's more complex than, than that because... <laughs> From the point that DreamWorks, if we're going back to the story, Mm -hmm. said, okay, we'll release the movie, uh, it took another year and a half for the movie to actually get out, Mm -hmm. because then the movie ended up at Paramount. Paramount wasn't sure what to do with it, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to quit my day job. I still need a paycheck, Uh, and so I kept working, and I wouldn't say I was the most motivated employee (laughs) ever, but I did my job, and it took them a year to find out that I made the movie. So Mm -hmm. I guess someone Googled me or whatever, because I still didn't tell anyone. So we're now at the beginning of 2009, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or 2008, I'm not sure. And uh, No, beginning of 2009, and they found out about the movie, and then it becomes their goal to get me fired because they didn't appreciate the fact that they have a side hobby, and maybe they made the connection between that and me uh, not having the best attitude. So they went on a, a mission to get me fired, which is, a, a, I don't know if you guys heard of Peep, performance mm-hmm. improvement plan yeah so they put me on peep and <laughs> i got on that PIP thing and i knew that there was you know basically for sure they're going to fire me they gave me uh, one task that was entirely unrealistic and i know that because even years after i've already been gone no one has been able to implement that and i had to take a few days off here and there to deal with paranormal activity this is when things were finally getting heated up with um, uh, with Paramount, they're going to do test screening to to the vice chairman, and maybe this is when it's actually going to happen. So I had to take some days off to go to uh, LA and and uh, get the cut ready. And they're like, well, what about your PIP? You have a deadline on your PIP. And I'm like, well, I still have a lot of time off. I'll worry about my PIP. And they wouldn't give me the time off. So mm-hmm. I took it off anyways, and yeah. they fired me. <laughs> wow. wow.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: my
2: God. That's amazing. That's
3: incredible. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to go uh, hang out with Steven Spielberg, so I don't care. <laughs>
1: I love it. How did now? How did uh, this? You know, the, the the success from these other movies as well. Because after after Wait, the right, first, I have an important question. Please, I'm sorry. Uh,
0: after that happened and you made all your money, did you buy the company and have it burned to
2: the ground? <laughs> 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 the company is Sony. Oh, okay. I don't think I have well, enough no. money. I, d- I did okay, but I don't think I can buy
0: Sony. Like, were
3: they mad? Sony, I was,
0: I was kidding. Were
3: <laughs> they, were were they mad because Paramount had the movie and they didn't have it, and that's what they're like? Wait a minute, he's making money from Paramount. That's not God, fair.
2: I, no. I would have been happy at the time to sell it to Sony, but nobody <laughs> yeah. wanted the movie.
1: Mike, you really, uh, you really helped us lead into our new sponsor, uh, the Nighttime Show. Has to say a quick thing. Uh, Our new sponsor for the nighttime show, Sony. (laughs) Sony. Uh, Thanks again, Sony, for making great.
0: I forgot to read the copy you gave me. Please read the copy. uh, We're not hacked anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Please buy our products again. (laughs)
1: Now, now when you did these movies, uh, even though you did them with DreamWorks, uh, Paramount was the distributor. Is that right?
2: Yes. So DreamWorks were going to release the movie. We had a release date. We had a deal. The deal wasn't totally signed yet, but we're negotiating. Then something happened. Uh, Katzenberg and Sumner Redstone had an argument about something. They decided they don't like each other anymore, and they split oh, up because no. Paramount was the distributor for DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. So Ooh. the movie would have been a DreamWorks movie through the through channel. Through, exactly. So they decided that they're going to break up, and in the custody, they had, I think, like 40 projects that were in various stages of development. Oh, uh, no. So half of them stayed at DreamWorks, and half of them went to Paramount. The good thing is that the two people, that young uh, executive and the president of production at uh, DreamWorks moved to Paramount and they took paranormal activity with them. Very so they, So <laughs> they were championing. They were, like, t- pushing really hard, you know, for Paranormal Activity, which they were familiar with, but no one at Paramount knew anything about it. And they were trying to get Paramount to, you know, uh, get excited about the movie, come to a screening, and they are dealing, you know, with Mission Impossible and Star Trek and Transformers. Right. Yeah. They, don't, they don't care yes. about my crappy little homemade video. Yeah. So, right. like, every two weeks I call my agent, you know, what's going on. Like, well, they're going to have a meeting, and they're going to talk about it in, in a couple of weeks. I'm like, okay, I'll wait a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, I know that I'm on... You know, on on thin ice at my day job, mm-hmm. and two weeks later, what happened? Well, they didn't get a run to it because they they had problems with transformers. They'll talk about it in yeah. two weeks and just kept doing it for like a oh, year, more than a year.
0: I can't imagine my whole life hinging on them having problems with transformers. <laughs> just, or uh, it, it Optimus just Prime never- isn't doing what we want it to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and so no. you're going to have
2: to shine it on a little bit longer. jeez yeah, So that oh, that was man. miserable because like, the not knowing part. Is oh, the yeah. worst because I'm like, okay, if you don't want to distribute it, give it back to me, and maybe I'll find someone else. Or, or So you
0: were basically the kid in the divorce
2: <laughs> yeah. know, for that. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> wow. That is nerve-wracking. That must have been very, uh, oof.
2: Yeah, the good thing is that by <sighs> the time that I got fired, that was right around the time that they did finally have the test screening. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the higher-ups at Paramount saw it and they kind of sort of came on board in the sense of like, sure, we won't put any money behind it, but uh, let's put (laughs) it out on a few screens and see what happens. (laughs) Which Which ended up... It Working th- out great. Yeah, especially thanks to the uh, paramount uh, interactive marketing department. Mm-hmm. It was really their job to try to, oh, to get yeah. the the high. I remember them
0: having a pretty aggressive. Uh, if thing you remember for the
2: demanded mandate campaign, they did so many yeah. genius stuff, and mm-hmm. they're they did really some d-
0: really cool stuff on uh, like I, I would go on Ain't It Cool News at the time. And they had these really cool banners that would like make it look like the page had been possessed and uh-huh. stuff like that. They, yeah. were,
2: they were very clever, and and they they deserve so much credit for the success of the movie. Wow, that's really amazing.
0: I'm just picturing an executive. I don't have time to watch your movie. Megatron won't come out of his trailer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, now there's a.
1: Like, uh, we can we're going to sidestep paranormal activity for just a second because. Uh, That movie is, all those films, very, very successful, and you've produced on all of them, right? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, Now, was there a reason you decided on the second one or the third one to not direct that you wanted to bring in? Uh, that To bring in other other directors to direct on, on that type of stuff?
2: I mean, I mean, for me, originally, it was just going to be a way to, you know, I just, I love the concept of paranormal activity. I wanted to do it. I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be a way for me to get out of my, my stupid day job. Yeah. And uh, if it worked out, it was like I won the lottery. And after you win the lottery, do you go back to work? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah. So uh, when the studio said they want to do the sequels, I'm like, okay, awesome. You know, just remember where to send the royalties, yes.
3: and good luck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hell yeah. But then there were some issues with Par- with Paranormal 2, and they kind of said, "Come, please come back, help us out. So I came back and kind of helped as much as I could, and I stayed... Somewhat involved in in the other sequels. I was never the writer or the director, but I would be in the meetings and story meetings. Sometimes they would listen to me, sometimes they wouldn't. But I would be somewhat involved.
3: Would but you go to the story meeting? and be like, okay, so now you got to highlight that with red, and then highlight that with yellow. <laughs> yellow, that one's yellow. Yellow goes. <laughs> That's a blue.
1: <laughs> I went with uh, Miko was in the third one, right? It was th- yes. Yeah, he was back in for the for like the oh, wait a the, second for this. He was, was in the, the third, second, second
2: w- one. second one second one. Sure, but the third one.
1: Uh, Katie was in the. Katie, I went with Mika as his date to the, (laughs) you know, in in a in a sweet way, Uh, to the second or the. Always a sweet way. You know, it really (laughs) always is. Uh, We went to the ArcLight to the to like the the first screening. I met you there with Brian Witten, who was on our podcast. Oh, okay. Um, and like went to like an early screening of it and watched. And you know, was high fiving. Uh, what's his name? The guy who was uh, sitting in our uh, sitting in front of us was the director of Saw. Uh, oh yeah, James Wan. Oh yeah, yeah. Was He's sitting a- was sitting there and was like, yeah. "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen." <laughs> he was like super into the movie, and I loved it. But uh, sidestepping away from paranormal activity for a second. Uh, You also made uh, a film uh, called Chernobyl Diaries, which I watched also, which was a totally badass, like, cool movie. Like, I really enjoyed that film. Um, And then I did did talk a little with Brian, and I think I did talk a little with you, about Area 51. Was it Area 51? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which... I know was kind of like a whole nother situation on its own. Like it was kind of the opposite type of situation where there was like studio problems and, and issues with them. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Is that okay?
2: Uh, to talk about it freely, I'll he- I'll have to be really mean. <laughs> <to> <laughs> please. But, please. But, no, I, I, but I don't want to do it. I will say that was uh, probably the most miserable experience I've had uh, other than my stupid day job. Uh, I did it... Uh, while paranormal was being released if it was any later i would have not done it especially not the way it ended up being done it was like everything the way it was done was the wrong way it was the total opposite of paranormal activity mm-hmm. and it was just a horrible horrible mess i mean just to give you a, a few um, like facts uh, trying not to to be too mean to people, but what ended up happening is that uh, because of so many issues, and I'll take some responsibility for them as the director, but we ended up not being able to do get a lot of things right, a lot of things were missing. Finally, we showed it to the studio. And I thought that it was in pretty bad shape, but salvageable, kind of like how Paranormal 2 and Paranormal 3 and all these other movies have been. And okay, it's a mess, how do we fix it? They said, eh, why don't you reshoot the entire movie from scratch <laughs> for a budget of 700K, including post and all visual effects and, all, and everything. Uh, and uh, So basically we ended up reshooting 90 to 95% of the film wow. Wow. for 700K uh, with oh, a storyline dictated to us by the studio. And then when we were done, uh, because it was done so cheaply and poorly, a lot of scenes just were unusable. Uh, So we ended up, oh, and I should also also mention that, uh, just to give you an an idea of where we were at, uh, when it it came to shoot the third act, uh, I had to go to Israel. Because my dad had to go through surgery, it would have cost $10,000 to delay the shoot. Mm -hmm. So we decided we don't have that money. Let's just have someone else direct the third act. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's the kind of stuff we were dealing with. So someone else di- directed the third act, and so much of what we ended up redoing uh, we couldn't use that we ended up uh, submitting a cut of 85 minutes, which barely got to 85 minutes. And they said, no, no, no it needs to be 90 minutes. We're like,
3: we, d- we barely yeah, we, don't yeah. Yeah, we don't have five more minutes Yeah, we don't have
2: five more minutes. Like, we don't care. It needs to be 90 minutes.
3: Really long credit sequence. So
2: it was <laughs> yeah. already with a long credit sequence. Wow. Get so, so what we did, we went to the original shoot, we grabbed five semi-random minutes and threw them into this guy. And we figured, you know what, they're never going to release it like that. This is just to satisfy the <laughs> delivery requirements. And then we'll get back into it. We'll reshoot it. We'll fix it. Yes. And yeah. it ended up sitting on the shelf as is for four years. And then they said, hey, let's, uh, let's dump it now on Netflix or whatever. And I begged them and said, let's, let's fix it. And my name is on it. I'll finance the reshoots. I'll, I'll, we'll yeah. figure something yeah. out. And they thought, no, 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 don't bother. we we'll just dump it out like that. Wow. So yeah, that, that was the, the most miserable experience I've, I've had.
1: Did it make but, you want to take a break from filmmaking, or did it make you want to do more? Like like what? It, how did you? I react mean, it, it, to it, it
2: made me want to never work with certain people.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, I got that.
2: Uh, but it it really depends because, for example, uh, you know, although I decided kind of like you know, okay, I'm I'm cashing out. I don't need to do any more projects. But Brian kind of conned me into doing Chernobyl Diaries because we talked about the idea and he's like hey let's let's do this this will be fun I'm like no I don't want to do this he's like no 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 you, you won't have to do anything you know we'll just I'll, I'll do it all we'll get another director and cut to like a year later we're in Ser- Serbia and, and, some <laughs> oh and <my> God. <laughs> another director is filming but I'm still there okay, you know Brian sucked me into it but we had a blast <laughs> I mean, we, we had you know so much fun doing this because it was with Brian and, and the, the director was great and the, the crew was great so I had a blast so you know an experience can be a lot of fun, or it can be miserable. So I wouldn't say that one experience totally turned me off, but uh, definitely made me a, m- a lot more cautious about choosing who to work with. Do you want to do more films? Are you? Do you have any interest in doing more? No, I think I'm done for now. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh.
3: Well. Do you want to make a better baseball game?
1: Definitely not. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to um, when it comes to this to the app that you're working on an app right now or you have an app out right now.
2: We have it out. We did uh, sort of like a, a soft launch. It's out there. Anyone can download it. And now we are working on adding a lot of features based on feedback that we got. And we're starting a marketing campaign that we will launch uh, in a couple of months.
3: So what is the app? Tell us about
2: it. Uh, it's called Spot. Uh, anyone who's curious can download it at spot.events. to find uh, your dog. No, it could be used for that. Oh, okay. Uh, but now we're talking. The, the, the <laughs> Only for the purpose- Dalmatian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You could probably use it for dog-related activities. The, the idea is that uh, you can create uh, local events for any purpose it could be you know to meet other people to go hiking with if you need the tennis partner if you want to get like a singles group to go out Mm -hmm. to watch movies or uh, anything like that for community related uh, events so we just want to create a tool that's uh, very fun and easy to use if you're looking for new friends if you're looking to meet new people you're new in town and um, yeah so so that's uh, what i'm uh, focusing on this time
1: that's amazing i always need a tennis partner
2: so yeah. that, that that will be very helpful for me.
1: <laughs> well no, it makes it makes a lot of sense, especially in a city like Los Angeles where you, you're trying to meet new people and it's hard to meet people you know, using a, an app like that or in New York City, in big cities, you know, like uh, finding, you know, finding partners to go and do paintball with or to go hiking with or, you know, to go you to know, any, any of that kind. Of stuff. There's yeah, so and many anything fun.
0: you're cupcake you're pe- eating contest, anything. Yeah, anything do you anything like you're
1: anything you're, What'd you say? <laughs> a, a, a cupcake eating contest? Yeah. we can organize one. I've or beaten Stephen a in a
3: cupcake eating contest, I'll tell you.
1: <laughs> you did beat me in a cupcake eating contest. Yes. We could have used that app and maybe someone would have beaten you. some real Competitors, yeah, yeah.
2: use
0: use
3: it for the next one. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm just seeing
0: a guy stepping off a train from Texas. I I come here to eat real cupcakes, (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna take your trophy.
3: (laughs) I know like 20 competitive professional competitive eaters now that could wipe the floor with me.
1: That's hysterical. Uh, So, how is your life uh, now? Like Like, what do you do in a you know, like, on a like, what's a typical day for you, Oren? Like, what do you do in a typical day?
2: Uh, well, I have two baby daughters. Oh, wow. So that's the main focus of my How life. How old? Uh, one is 10 months old. and One is two, almost two and a half. So what? you still
3: don't get any sleep, even after making movies. Not too much. <laughs> not too
2: much. They, they, they sleep okay through the night, so sometimes mm-hmm. I'm lucky. But wow. uh, yes, yeah, so most of an uh, average day is I'm at home all day. Maybe we go out and do something. And in all of my spare time, I work on, on the app. So mm-hmm. it could be you know a few hours here, and then they take a nap. I got a couple more hours, and then they go to sleep, and now I can get back to it. So it kind of revolves around them. But uh, that's one of the reasons that the filmmaking is not really compatible. I can't go to Serbia for three months you know, yeah. and, and leave them at home. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to simplify my life and uh, develop. Unless you make
3: more movies in your house. Yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> you could do it that
2: way. Yeah, but it's so
0: much work. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, that's a lot. That's a lot. So well, now
0: instead of demons terrorizing you while you sleep,
2: it's small children. Exactly.
1: <laughs> do you still uh do you still see Brian Witten very
2: often? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we're we're in touch. I I moved uh, out of the city, so not as often. I'm um, out in suburbia, but yeah, we're still in touch and uh, yeah, still one of my best friends.
1: Back in suburbia with the nice. ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> the, Where are the,
2: go- the ghosts?
3: Now, there's a lot houses. of stuff that goes on in Hollywood to get a movie made. Were you harassed by any ghosts during the making of that movie? <laughs> <laughs> and
2: not as far as I'm aware of. No, okay. Yeah. <laughs> good, no it's
1: no true. inappropriate touching from ghosts, nothing like that? Right. No, <laughs> okay. at least
2: not from ghosts. Thank, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank
1: God for that.
0: Harvey uh, Weinstein just dropped by <laughs> just <laughs> for no good reason.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Check it on the set. <laughs>
1: God in heaven. Uh, have you ever had any interaction with him? you ever met him?
2: I met him once briefly at a party and just like shook his hand but uh, at that point I, I didn't know about the sex pervert stuff but oh, he, yeah. but he had enough of a reputation uh, just as far as being, you know, He's for being evil, being evil, to yeah. evil to filmmakers that uh, I had like a list of people like, you know, that I would never want to work with because yeah. life's too short so he was on that list.
0: He's yeah. like, are there any sexy ghosts on that set? Oh <laughs> yeah, my God. Uh,
2: what
1: about, a uh, how's your uh, your family your parents uh, you know uh, how how did they react to the success of you doing these movies
2: they're all very very happy and proud so that's so cool man.
1: that's amazing Um, well listen uh, getting a a chance to sit down with you has been really incredible are you on uh, social media do you have a twitter or an instagram or any of that
2: yeah yeah I have all of those I don't use them too much what's your do you know what your twitter twitter I think it's orin underscore pelly
1: Okay, great. Well, we'll uh, we will tweet and post this. And, uh, and where
3: do people get your app again?
0: Spot.events.
3: Spot.events.
1: Spot. All right, yeah, we'll check that out for sure. That's amazing. Um, Mike, what about you? Where can people find you in the world?
0: I'm on all social media at MikeBlackAttack. And I've just uh, added uh, PS4. If you're a gamer, uh, I'm at HumorousBlack. And if you're on Xbox, it's None More Black with zeros instead of
1: O's. Oh, okay, all right. What about you uh, there, Matt Walker?
3: You can find links to everything at uh, funnymatt.com, or if you're a big aficionado of uh, swimming pool vacuum cleaners and you want to tell me why my comments were hurtful, tell me that at mattwalkersucks.com.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Glickman, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Xbox One you can uh, challenge me on Grand Theft Auto and uh, I'm constantly on there uh, playing when I should be writing what's, what's and editing. It's Stephen Glickman. S-T-E-P-H-E-N oh, okay. Glickman. So it's fun because then people are like hey Stephen Glickman I'm going to fucking kill you. you <laughs> know, and it's like a seven year old. And then he kills and you. And then he blows <laughs> my head off repeatedly. Uh, this you is suck the, at this game Stephen <laughs> Glickman. You, I really do. Well <laughs> uh, uh, Oren thanks again for uh, haunting all of our Nightmares and uh, and and, uh, and and helping us uh, have some new dreams. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast. Leave comments and share, share, share. We love you guys. Thanks for listening and uh, good night. <gasps>